Earl Erskine and I discuss Joseph Smith's white horse prophecy. What is it and what does it mean in Mormon politics? Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. You know, we don't get into politics on our programs much. Sometimes we'd like to, <laughs> but we don't for several State reasons. Our opinions. <laughs> right. Uh, but we can and do bring up politics when it directly affects our Utah polygamous culture or bills and going through the legislature, so on, that, that deals with polygamy. We often talk about the failure of our politicians to do something about the abuses that are going on in the polygamy groups by polygamous leaderships, and we wonder how Utah can remain such a stranglehold of Mormon theocracy while at the same time claim that they want separation of church and state. But it has been the dream of some in Mormonism since Joseph Smith himself was a candidate for the presidency of the United States to control the politics of the United States or at least have great influence on its government, equal to the political clout that it's had in the state of Utah since they first settled here. And in that vein of thought, Joseph Smith supposedly gave a prophecy, which is called the White Horse Prophecy, which is a perfect example of Mormonism's insatiable desire to make America Mormon, to make America owned and operated, administered by and controlled by the theocracy of Mormonism. And yes, that would have included Mormon polygamy. The next couple of shows we want to discuss uh, the white horse prophecy of Joseph Smith. We're going to go through parts of it with explanations and our comments, of course. And we, we can't cover it all because it's too long and drawn out, but it basically consists of a lot of scare tactics of end times uh, events that Joseph Smith loved to use against those who were against him. <laughs> and particularly against the United States of America because Congress refused to make laws that benefited the Mormons and their practices of polygamy. You know, we're going to work our way through selected portions of the White Host prophecy and suggest that you keep this in mind whenever you discover a Mormon pushing to be politically influential. First of all, it's been debatable whether Smith actually made the prophecy. Many LDS are adamant that he didn't, but that but then they'll turn around and quote sure. parts of it. Sure. Now, there are several really good websites for you to go to if you want more information and opinions about the topic, and we're, they're on the screen um, that, uh, that we've listed, the, the Kingdom of God or Nothing, mrm.org, utlm.org, and mormonthink.com. Uh, and an article on mrm.org written by Bill McKeever tells us that Mormon apologists place doubt on the White Horse Prophecy, saying that it contains spurious information, but some of their leaders have had no qualms in using portions of the prophecy when they talk. For instance, Joseph F. Smith, who was the sixth LDS president, denied Joseph Smith ever gave the prophecy, but he condoned part of it himself, we quote. Yeah, this is from the <coughs> conference report, October 1912. <coughs> Joseph Smith, the prophet, was inspired to affirm and ratify this truth, and he further predict predicted that the time would come when the constitution of our country would hang, as it were, by a thread, 
and that the Latter-day Saints, above all other people in the world, would come to rescue of that great and glorious palladium of our liberty. Okay. Now, so he has denied it was legitimate, the prophecy was legitimate, yet affirmed that some of it was true. And contemporary LDS politicians do the same thing. They allude to the validity of the White Horse prophecy by quoting from it, and yet claim Joseph Smith didn't actually give it. We have another quote. Yeah, this is more recent, 1999. In his bid for the U.S. presidency in 2000, Utah Senator Orrin Hatch made reference to the prophecy while complaining about the Democrats tolerating everything that is bad. Said Hatch, I've never seen it worse than this, where the Constitution literally is hanging by a thread. Now, the hanging by a thread is a clue here, yeah, as, as you'll sure. see as we go through the prophecy. Uh, it is a prediction that was made by Joseph Smith that a future crisis will confront the United States government, that it will begin to fall apart, the Constitution will be totally without support except for one tiny thread, and <laughs> that thread is the LDS Church or the White Horse. For polygamists, the White Horse represents the polygamy groups. Now, the prophecy was supposedly given in the presence of two active Mormon men. They were members in good standing, and their names were Edwin Rushton and Theodore Turley. Rushton claimed he wrote it down as Joseph Smith gave it, but it was never released to the public. So let's begin at the beginning and try to put all this into perspective. It starts out, on or about the sixth day of May, 1843, a grand review of the Nauvoo Legion was held in Nauvoo. The Prophet Joseph complimented them for their good discipline and evolutions performed. The weather being hot, he called for a glass of water. With a glass of water in his hand, he said, I will drink you a toast to the overthrow of the Mobocrats, which he did in language as follows. Here's wishing they were in the middle of the sea, a stone canoe with iron paddles, and a shark swallow and a shark swallow the canoe, and the devil swallow the shark, and him locked up in the northwest corner of hell, the key lost, and a blind man hunting for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems that a non-Mormon man heard this and took exception to Joseph Smith's attitude and devilish curses on his enemies and went to visit him the next day to tell him so. Well, Smith got didn't like <laughs> being called on the carpet, so he threw him out of his house. Of course, Jesus taught that we were not to curse our enemies or to wish bad things upon them, but to pray for them and bless them instead, which Joseph Smith did not do. And I think that's what upset the man. Now, the context of the giving of this white horse prophecy was a reactionary to these persecutions of the early Mormons. We have another quote. The prophet began talking to us of the mobbings and drivings, the persecutions we as a people had endured, but said he, we will have worse things to see. Our persecutors will have all the mobbings they want. Don't wish them any harm, for when you see their sufferings, you will shed tears for them. Turning to me, he said, I want to tell you something. In the future, I will speak in parables like unto John the Revelator. Little did I then think the prophet of the Lord would so soon be slain in cold blood. Continuing, he said, you will go to the Rocky Mountains, and you will see a great and mighty people established, which I will call the White Horse of Peace and Safety. So uh, we get an idea now of what's going on. Joseph Smith supposedly said that he would never see the Rocky Mountains for himself, but some kind of special God-given safety, which he called the White Horse, 
would protect them as they settled in the West, and that is Mormonism. Yeah. We'll see as we get through the prophecy. Well, next, he addressed all the wrongs that the United States Congress had done against <laughs> the Mormons. Your enemies will continue to follow you with persecutions, and they will make obnoxious laws against you in Congress to destroy the white horse. But you will have a friend or two to defend you and throw out the worst part of the laws so they will not hurt much. You must continue to petition Congress all the time, but they will treat you like strangers and aliens, and they will not give you your rights, but will govern you with strangers and commissioners. Okay, now we're going to talk uh, at length uh, about what he said in this particular quote. Well, he, he said um, that anyone at any time, uh, you, th that you can go behind the scenes in Mormonism and you, you would know that they were breaking the laws. Joseph Smith knew they were breaking the laws and, right. and they had been for years. Uh, w they were breaking laws against polygamy. They were breaking laws against uh, their, their money counterfeiting schemes and some of the things they were doing. And lawbreakers will eventually be caught up with and penalized. <laughs> now, it's not gif difficult to make a prophecy against <laughs> unrepentant lawbreakers, right? All right? Now, if in those early days, by the way, the Mormon people and leadership had been compliant with local and national laws, they would not have suffered persecutions like they did. But they refused to keep the laws of the land, and it's very easy to predict future disaster when they don't. And Joseph Smith knew that. Now, in saying this, of course, we don't condone persecution of anybody, of any group of people, Mormons or anyone else, but it's merely an explanation for some of their persecutions. Now, the commentary of Smith's prophecy explains how this part of his prophecy was fulfilled. The obnoxious laws that he mentioned uh, were not made to destroy any white horse, as Joseph Smith said, but were to bring the Mormons, Mormons under the rule of law of the United States of America. The Mormons lived by their own laws, and Brigham Young himself preached that he and the Mormons lived above the law. So any laws made against their behavior would be obnoxious to them. We quote Brigham Young. Yeah, from the Journal of Discourses, <laughs> Volume 1. If I had 40 wives in the United States, they did not know it and could not substantiate it. Neither did I ask any lawyer, judge, or magistrate for them. I live above the law, and so do this people. So he, he's talking about his polygamy. He doesn't have to ask anybody if he can live polygamy. He's just going to do it, yeah. right? But, right? But so let's quickly review some of the obnoxious laws that they claim fulfilled the prophecy. On July 2nd, 1862, Abraham Lincoln signed an anti-polygamy bill, which imposed a five-year prison sentence, a $500 fine, or both, for unlawful cohabitation, which is polygamy, and that if a church taught and practiced plural marriage, they would forfeit all property valued over $50,000. Hmm. Yes, that to them would be an obnoxious law. Brigham Young tested this law using polygamist George Reynolds as his guinea pig. Reynolds was a polygamist, and he was tried for polygamy and convicted. And from there, they took it to the Supreme Court. The Mormons lost their court battle. Mm -hmm. Now, Reynolds was fined $500, and he received a two-year prison sentence. Another one was the Edmonds Bill, which prohibited any polygamist from voting uh, or holding a public office of trust. Wow. Now, of course, the Mormons were, were adamant against any kinds sure. of laws that infringed upon what they called their religion. 
uh, Mormons held polygamy a very high sacred command from God. They still do. They called it a higher law and that it was only for God's special people. And they still do that. that all the polygamy groups call polygamy the principle or the higher law. Mm. And, and only certain people are, are, are special enough to God to be trusted with living the polygamous law, yeah. which is yeah. all nonsense. And they teach that constantly. But I'm they sure. teach it and they taught it in the early days and they, yeah. they still teach it in today's polygamy groups. Yeah. Now, the Mormons refused to let go of polygamy. They snubbed their collective noses at the laws against their polygamy, and, and Mormon polygamists today continue to ignore the state and federal laws against their practice. Now, this next part of the White Horse um, prophecy is in part that modern LDS and yeah. polygamists have fastened their teeth into. So this is For the sure. crutch of it. This is where we hear our phrases. You will see the Constitution of the United States almost destroyed. It will hang by a thread, and that thread as fine as the finest silk fiber, and it will be preserved and saved by the efforts of the white horse and the red horse who will combine in its defense. The white horse will raise an ensign on the tops of the mountains of peace and safety where all nations may flee unto for safety. Okay, so this is the crutch of it. It's the, the hanging by a thread, and it's the ensign and the white horse and all that. Joseph Smith purportedly described his love for the Constitution. He said it was divinely inspired and that it would be preserved and saved by the efforts of the white horse and the red horse working together to defend it. Now, some people explain <clears throat> that this prophecy is in the same spirit of end times prophetic events that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 24. And there is much similarity to his words and his prophetic claims, so much, in fact, that we can easily identify plagiarism. There's no question that Joseph Smith did pattern much of what he prophesied after various biblical texts. But he always took his prophecies a step further. It seemed like he had to yeah. do one better than God. Yeah. Like he had to be more mighty and more profound and, and in his words and pronouncements of, of future events. And in doing this, he also ignored God's warnings that we find throughout the Bible not to add to, to his what, word. What God said. And he did that quite a bit. Now, there are many in Mormonism who cling to his promise of safety in the Rocky Mountains stemming from this prophecy. Um, and he said the white horse would raise an ensign on the top of the mountains. Now, that word ensign mm -hmm. has been adopted by many people in oh, yeah. the Rocky Mountain area, the Salt Lake City area. There are many businesses uh, named Ensign. The Kingston Group had a business called the Ensign. Mm -hmm. And um, Mormon communities, you'll see that in, in driving, maybe in looking at their business pages. The polygamists use it. The LDS church named a magazine the end sign. Still has it. It still has it. Ensign, and yeah. there's a mountain peak north of Salt Lake City <laughs> called uh, Ensign Peak. So they right. took at least part of this very seriously. Um, now, Joseph Smith went on to predict that the mountains were full of minerals, that silver would be piled up in the streets and shoveled and gold shoveled up like sand. You know, he really was focused on money, wasn't he? Yeah, he on, was. on that kind of thing. Now, of course, none of this hyperbole ever happened. Many mountains of the West do hold an abundance of precious metals, yeah. uh, but so do many mountains all over the world. Uh, then Smith makes some very strange predictions of end time 
disasters. Yeah, this is strange. The time will come when the banks in every nation will fail, and only two places will be safe where the people can deposit their gold and treasure. These places will be with the white horse and England's vaults. <laughs> so what's with that? I, 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 I couldn't quite grasp why he focused in on England there as being the place where people would trust to put right. their treasures. So uh, at that time, according to the fall, the frightened people of the world are going to have those two choices yeah. to trust their money. Now remember that he predicts a crisis where our United States Constitution begins to fall apart, the government falls apart, the Constitution hangs by a thread, and the LDS will rescue it from total destruction. Now, I was taught this growing up I was taught it, in yeah. the polygamy group. Yeah. Only the Kingstons is the white horse, okay? No, not the LDS not the Church. LDS church yeah. And that when this crisis begins, the Constitution, the Kingstons will intervene. They will save the Constitution, they'll save the nation, Jesus will return, all the nations will congregate to the kingdoms and beg to join them, mm -hmm. and they'll bring all their women and their money to, to them, and Jesus will then rule the earth and the kingdoms will be his administrators. Wow. We were taught that. They obviously are still teaching it because we found an article in the uh, Rolling Stone magazine of 2011 about a Kingston polygamy group escapee, uh, and he, the young man that escaped was interviewed, and this is what he said. Very interesting. Kingston taught his followers that they are the literal descendants of Jesus and one of his wives who had come down to earth to found a race of chosen people. He also preached a bizarre extrapolation of the Book of Mormon called the White Horse Prophecy, a dreaded prediction of a cataclysmic time when the black race will rise up and attempt to destroy the white man, only to be thwarted by Native Americans riding to the rescue. Those in the order, Kingston preached, are responsible for building a master race, which is why all marriages are arranged within the original four families that started the cult. Okay, so you can wow. see, isn't this racist? Isn't this yeah. awful? Yeah, it, and uh, controlling uh, and everything uh, else. Absolutely, <laughs> but see, they are the white horse. That's right. And uh, the Kingston group are the white horse, and that's what we were taught. In fact, when all wow. of this stuff is over, I think I've mentioned before, uh, everybody's that's dead, you know, from all this cataclysmic yeah. events, and, and then we'll just go and plunder the homes and take all their wealth, and it's just, it's so ridiculous. Oh and then there's Warren Jeffs. Oh, yeah, another one. <laughs> he was even more proliferate with prophecies than Joseph Smith was. In fact, he printed up a book more than two inches thick, filled with prophecies that encompassed the entire globe. And he sent it to the nations all over the world, warning the nations about the end time disasters to come, and that if they didn't bow down to the authority of the FLDS, they'd face God's wrath. So in the same spirit of the white horse prophecy, prevails in the minds and in the teachings of today's polygamy groups. Mm. Now, there's more of what Joseph Smith said in the White Horse Prophecy, of course, and we quote, A terrible revolution will take place in the land of America, such as never been seen before, for the land will be literally left without a supreme government, and every species of wickedness will run, run rampant. It will be so terrible that father will be against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother. The most terrible scenes of murder and bloodshed and rapine that have ever been looked upon will take place. Now, if anybody's familiar with the Bible, we can see that this has been plagiarized from the Bible, and not just a word or two either, you know, a lot of it. But it's also been taken out of context, some of it, and twisted it to apply to his 
own personal ideas of being prophetic. Yeah. Now, Jesus told us to watch out for false prophets. We talk about this all the time on our shows. And, and this is what they do. They twist for their own purposes the Word of God. False prophets do that. Now, we want to continue on with the uh, more of the White Horse Prophecy. Peace will be taken from the earth, and there will be no peace only in the Rocky Mountains. This will cause hundreds and thousands of the honest in heart of the world to gather there, not because they would be saints, but for safety, and because they would not take up the sword against their neighbors. Many will come with bundles under their arms to escape the calamities, and there will be no escape only by fleeing to Zion. Those that come to you will try and keep the laws and be one with you, for they will see your unity and the greatness of your organizations. Now, of course, to Mormonism, Zion is the Rocky Mountains, sure. centralized in Utah. Yeah. Now, were you, in being part of the Mormon Church, were you taught this white horse prophecy? Not taught it, no. It's there, and, and I was aware of it, uh, especially the Constitution failing and the, uh, uh, the government hanging by a thread. And then we just thought, I just taught that, or thought, I guess, that the missionaries would be that group of people that would come forward and, and, and uh, save, it. Save, save the nation. So what about the safety of the Rocky Mountains? Did, was there a feeling or a kind of a sense of safety in, in your the group of Mormons well, that you were with that this is the safest place in the world to be? Well, I think so. I don't know that it was really ever said, but, but surely we thought that the Salt Lake Temple would never be destroyed that this was a great place to be. It was a safe mm -hmm. place. And, uh, it, you know, the Isaiah prophecy, of course, it's, yeah. I know now that it isn't, but the Isaiah prophecy that the, ga the nations would gather to Zion, mm -hmm. which, of mm -hmm. course, was either here or Missouri. We, there's a little controversy. Right. I, I still that, don't but. think they're sure where it's at, of course. <laughs> well, and, and to Mormon and to the polygamy group, Zion is in the safety of the mountains. It's right. all there right. with them as well. Of course, the Bible tells us that Zion is in is Jerusalem, actually, yeah, and has been there for over 3,000 years. And whether we like it or not, that's where it is. And God said that it shall not be moved. But Smith is saying that the whole world will come here into the Rocky Mountains for safety uh, to escape the global disasters. So I wonder, what are they coming here for? Polygamy? They're coming here for Mormonism? Well, that's what the Mormons would say. For for patriarchal sure. rule for yeah. theocratic Mormon theocratic rule. Why in the world would they ever come here? Yeah. Oh, well, Joseph Smith said that England and France would become allies, and together they would keep Russia from conquering the world. Hmm. One person's interpretation of the different colored horses that he uses goes like this. Now, hold on to your seats, because some of this stuff is way out there, and some of it is very racial. Yeah. Now, we read the racial part uh, from from the comments of the, the guy who left the Kingston group, right. but he, they get it from hmm. Joseph Smith. Sure. And in the White Horse Prophecy, Joseph refers to the same four colors of the horses, white, red, black, and pale, signifying races of people and the color of their skin. The interpretation of his allegory can be made from within the prophecy itself. The white horse of peace and safety refers to the saints in the, located in the Rocky Mountains, which he mentions several times. The pale horse refers to the people of the United States. They got their name from the Indians, who called them pale faces. 
Joseph said the black horse would have fear of becoming slaves again, which is obviously talking about the black race, and the red horse, Redskins, is the name that has been applied to the Indians. These four horses are basic to the whole white horse prophecy and the part they will play in the final winding up scene of this celestial world. Wow, is that something? Very bold. <laughs> well, it is. And you know, these, these horses are plagiarized from the four horsemen of the apocalypse, sure. as, uh, from, which is, comes from the biblical book of Revelation. And next time in part two, we will talk about that so that you can see the difference between what has been said here and what is said actually in the book of Revelation about the horses. The meanings, of course, they have been changed to lift the Mormon religion and its people high above the rest of the country and the rest of the world. Well, it's always been kind of a, an enthusiastic thing whenever a Mormon becomes big in politics, certainly like Romney did. Uh, they're running for president twice, and, and yeah. their expectation that this is going to be the eventual fulfillment of this prophecy, and, and that the Mormon will be the one, Mormons will be the ones, or polygamists mm -hmm. in, your, in mm -hmm. your case, but uh, that would be the ones to save the save the country, save, save the, the country republic. And the constitution, yeah. and that's right. And next time, you know, we don't have time, we're gonna do part two, we're almost done with this one. But next time we're gonna talk about and quote some of the quotes from the leaders who have refused to believe that the White Horse prophecy actually was a valid prophecy given by Joseph Smith, but then turn around and quote it. Uh -huh. And the, the white thread, or the yeah. or not the white thread, but the hanging by a thread right. is probably the main uh, <laughs> singular identification mark yeah. that they actually must have believed it or why would they have quoted it and still do even today yeah, as we as we read that uh, they do that and then that the church would come forward and and save, save which is what the white horse is the and yeah. again taken from the the four horsemen of the apocalypse in the yeah. book of revelation and the, and then when we read the 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 passage in the book of revelation what it what those four horses actually mean yeah. is so different than what he explained it to be um, it just amazes me like we meant talked earlier how he takes uh, plagiarizes the bible known you know god's word and what Jesus said, Matthew 24 is a good place to read end times events, as, as Jesus put it, and then just elaborates on yeah. what Jesus said, like he has to be greater yeah. and go further. It talks about him him being the one to uh, 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 translate it incorrectly <laughs> or something. I mean, he, he just pulled out all kinds yeah. of... That's a good point. They claim the Bible's not true. He claimed the Bible yeah. wasn't translated correctly, and then he turns around. How do we know? And translates yeah, it he himself. Has, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we have no basis to prove whether he, what he translated was uh, done correctly or not, you know, in, yeah, in any context. Yeah. Right, especially the book of Abraham when we actually do have something to test it with and it's totally uh, fraudulent. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do part two uh, next time. And thank you, Earl, for sharing in this adventure. I appreciate <laughs> it very much. You know, it, it seems that since Joseph Smith, ever since Joseph Smith, Mormonism has been entranced by the end times topic. Many polygamists as well as LDS have dabbled in prophesying about what will take place when Jesus returns. And many of them have set dates, even though Jesus warned that no one knows the date he'll be coming back. Do they think they can outsmart Jesus by setting the times? Uh, the important message, however, that Jesus gave us was when he uh, is going to come back is watch out. 
He said that several times in Matthew 24. He said, don't be deceived. He said, uh, don't believe the false prophets that are coming in the false Christ. Watch out for them, ignore and reject them. Each polygamy group has had their own prophets who have given false end times prophecies that didn't happen. And the people still follow them. False prophecies equal to false prophets. It's God's law. So watch out and just follow Jesus. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.